You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. Today we're finishing up this uh, series that we've focused on through the uh, month of November that's in, entitled Inside Out. <clears throat> the uh, whole premise of the series is uh, basically what uh, Jesus puts in us, and I told you up front the series is kind of to believers, those that have already believed. So uh, when you believed in Jesus, he puts something in you, but he doesn't want it to stay in you. He wants it to manifest itself in your life. What he puts in us needs to work its way to the outside instead of just <clears throat> allowing it to stay inside and hidden from, uh, from people. That's why we're doing this, uh, this series. What he put in us needs to come outside of our lives. Uh, in the series so far, we've talked about generosity. Uh, God is more generous than anyone. He proved that by sending his only son. In response to his generosity, we should be generous ourselves uh, because of the generosity that he shared with us. We have talked about bringing forth good from uh, our lives, not any good that we have of ourselves, but the good that he puts in us, that we need to allow that to come out instead of just having good intentions in our heart. It needs to be worked out in our lives to where other people uh, see it and see the faith that we have in Jesus and uh, causes them to have the desire for him, which a little bit is similar to what we'll talk about today. <clears throat> last, uh, last Sunday, Rex Brown just did a, a terrific job, I thought, talking about why we ought to be thankful, some reasons why we should be thankful. And Thanksgiving ought to work its way out of our lives, not just stay hidden inside uh, also. Today we're going to close out the series talking about this, talking about having an overflow. In other words, what is in us, what Jesus has vested in us as believers, needs literally not just to pop out every now and then. It needs to be like an overflow that's coming forth from our lives. And the reason that I say that is a passage of Scripture where Jesus was attending a religious festival, a religious ceremony uh, one day, and uh, Jesus stood up and he said this, he kind of had the audacity to interrupt their religious exercise. And he stands up and he says, on the last day, the Bible says on the last day of the feast, the great day, so you know, like it's a really, really important day, and they're going through some religious exercises that I'll talk about in just a moment. Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So we look at this passage of Scripture, these verses. Let's break it down some and pull some thoughts out there as to why you and I ought to have a faith that gets inside out. Why you and I ought to have a faith that works its way out. Why you and I ought to have a faith that, that overflows. It ought to be like a, like a river, like what God's put in us is this reservoir. And, and yet it's one that can't be held back. It's, it's an, you know, an abundance of faith and things that God's invested in our lives through Jesus. And it just needs to overflow. It needs to rush out and overflow. Some of you have seen videos of that before on TV of you know, of a Russian stream and floodwaters and things like that. That's the way what God has done for us in Jesus ought to be out of our lives. It ought to overflow out of our lives. So as we break that down, I want you to notice to start with, he talks about some thirsty individuals. And Jesus used the word anyone. He said on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts. I don't know about you guys, but that word anyone just kind of leaps off the page, doesn't it? You know, number one, I'm kind of glad it says anyone, aren't you? Because I'm included in the anyone, and you are included in the anyone, or you can be, you know, if you'll admit your thirst and, and come to him. But he stands up and talks about the need that people have. Now, remember who Jesus is. He's God in the flesh. So Jesus isn't mincing words. I think 
you know, this implies to us that Jesus understood very well that day there were a lot of people in that religious ceremony that were thirsty. They were spiritually thirsty. They had this need in their life. Jesus knew it was there. And that's why he stands up and he makes this loud announcement. That's why he stands up and he cries these words out to them. And what was true in that day is still true today. There are multitudes of people throughout this world that are spiritually thirsty for what only Jesus can satisfy in their heart. And if you want evidence of people being spiritually thirsty, people having some type of need, some type of hole in their heart that they're trying to fill, just look at how they try and do it. They try and fill it up with everything else under the sun, whether it be drugs or alcohol or illicit sexual relationships or whatever the case might be, or, or you know, things, owning stuff. They're just trying to fill it up because they're thirsty for something and they can't quite figure out what it is. And it's like they're on this hunt trying to find out what it is that they need to be satisfied by. We have a world filled with thirsty individuals. Jesus knew that that day, that this religious ceremony even was filled with thirsty individuals, and that's why he stands up and he, and he cries out in this religious ceremony. To help us understand why Jesus would do that, let's look at the background concerning these thirsty individuals to start with. Uh, we need to understand why in the world Jesus would stand up, why he would say, you know, if anyone's thirsty, come to me. And we're going to look at the background to it a little bit. First of all, as we think about the background and how this applied in that day and time, you need to think about the historical event. I mean, why were they even doing this ceremony? Why were they there having this festival? What had happened previous that they were commemorating? Well, we're not going to take time and read all these verses. I'm just going to tell you the story but in essence, in Exodus chapter 17, verse 1 through 7, there's this historical event that took place in the life of the people of Israel whereby God's power and provision is brought to bear. What happened is this. They are out in a desert place. They're in the wilderness, wilderness wanderings, you know, we call it. And they are very, very thirsty because there's not any water around. Now, you know, this might come as a shock to you, but the children of Israel started to complain. Do you ever... You ever read that in the Bible, that they complain? I mean, man, they just got a little ways out of Egypt, and they forgot the way it felt to make all the bricks and everything else. They start complaining right off the bat. They're ready to go back and be under the taskmasters just so they can you know, eat some, you know, some vegetables and things like that because they accuse Moses, you brought us out here to starve. Well, now they're saying, well, Moses, you brought us out here, and literally they accuse him of this. They're saying, Moses, you brought us out here with the intent of killing us with thirst. That's what they were saying. They were about ready to stone Moses. So they're so mad at him because they, you know, Moses has brought them out of Egypt. They're free, but now they're out here and they can't find anything to drink. And they think they're about to die of thirst. And they start complaining about ready to stone Moses. So here's what Moses does. Moses turns and seeks God. Isn't that a novel idea? You know, when you have trouble in your life, that might be a good thing to do. He turns and he seeks God and God tells him, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk out in front of all the people. And I want you to take the staff that I've given you. And I want you to go up to that rock and I want you to hit that rock. And when you hit that rock, there's going to be water flowing out of that rock like a river. And the people will be able to drink because it will be good water that they can drink. So God tells Moses to publicly do this, to go out and strike the rock, and out comes this water. Now Jesus, as they're having this religious ceremony commemorating that happening years ago in the Old Testament, Jesus stands up while they are having this ceremony, and he says, if anyone's thirsty, because you see the people have been thirsty in that day and time, and God had provided their need. God, through his power, had provided the need. So that's the, the historical event background, but there's some more background we need to pay attention to, and that's the religious ceremony itself that was taking place that day that Jesus was attending. Because in this religious ceremony, I really feel like it kind of gives us a picture of man's empty efforts. You understand, just going through religious activity doesn't meet the spiritual thirst of anybody. You can come to church every time the doors open, but if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, your need is not going to be met in your life. I'm not talking about financial need. I'm talking about a spiritual 
hunger and thirst in your heart, that hole in your heart is not going to be fixed just by attending church. You have to know Christ as your Savior. They're having this religious ceremony. And what would happen in this religious ceremony, they would do it annually. You know, all, and, and there's this big celebration of, of seven days. And what would take place, the, the priest would take a gold pitcher, and they would take that pitcher made of gold out to the pool of Shalom. And they would draw water from the pool, and then they would carry it back into the temple. And then they would pour the water out on a rock that was there, commemorating or symbolizing what had happened in the Old Testament. The only problem was it was just an empty religious ceremony taking place. Because the water's not coming out of the rock, it's all man-made stuff taking place. The priests are taking this pitcher, oh, it might have been gold and pretty and everything else, but they're going out manually, drawing the water, carrying it manually into the temple and pouring it out on this rock to give this image of what God had done, but it fell really, you know, fell really short. It paled in light of what God had done. Because God had made water come out of the rock. Now, I don't know. I've never seen that happen. Have you? And you might think you did, but, you know, there was a spring around that rock or something. I've never seen water come out of a rock. By the way, I'll give you a little bit of a, a, little bit of a prelude to something that might blow your mind in, in just a minute that I'll talk more about. But, by the way, that rock from then on actually followed them around in the desert and kept providing them water. So a preacher, do you believe that? I do. You know, here's why God said it. That's why I believe it. You know. But they're, they're going through all this religious activity. And it's not really, you know, it's, they're trying to give a picture of what God had done, but it's not really what God had done. And they're just going through this activity, you know, a religious ceremony. Let's go get the water and let's pour it out on the rock. Let's go get the water and let's pour it out on the rock. And they do it again and again and again and again. But by the time we read about this ceremony in the day of Jesus when he was here on the earth, the celebration had really got meaningless. Because instead of them focusing upon spiritual thirst and admitting that they had this need in their life, they had delegated it down to just, after they'd pour the water out, they'd say, well, let's pray for physical rain, and then we'll go to the house. So instead of thinking about a spiritual need, a spiritual thirst in their life, which is what it was supposed to commemorate to begin with, it's what it was symbolic of to begin with, they would just go get the water, pour it on the rock, then they'd kind of shrug their shoulders and say, well, let's pray that it rains. And then they'd go on to their house unchanged. Go to the house without any real focus about why they were doing it to start with. And you say, before we start beating up on them for religious ceremonies, I'm afraid that can happen in our churches today. Some people can just come to church and go through the motions and think that means everything's all right. And kind of just shrug your shoulders. Everything that happens, go to the house unchanged. Instead of allowing yourself to be transparent, saying, God, I've got this thirst, and I think you're the one that can take care of it. I've, I've got this need in my life, and you're the one that can really meet that need. And as they were doing this, as they were pouring the water out, the people would chant, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation, out of Isaiah chapter 12. But... They minimized the focus of it to just literal water. Instead of thinking about spiritual water, they got away from what it really meant. And they were not allowing this ceremony to address the real need of spiritual thirst in spiritual souls. They weren't focusing upon what God had really done. It was just a ceremony to them. Instead of them really focusing upon what God meant for them to focus on. So it's just like man's empty efforts. So Jesus stands up while this is taking place. <laughs> most commentators, I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us clear enough to where we can say it dogmatic, but most commentators say that more than likely it looked like to them that at the time the priests were pouring the water out on the rock, that's when Jesus stands up. 
And Jesus gives this invitation. I, I, I alluded to it a moment ago. Jesus had the audacity to interrupt their religious ceremony. A lot of people get ticked off about that. You know, we've got an order of service here. We better stick completely with it. I wish Jesus would interrupt our services more often, don't you? Instead of us just thinking we've got it all worked out and we've got it all figured out and we come and shrug our shoulders and go home. He stands up and he gives this invitation. And he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Think how great that invitation is. That's an invitation to anyone. He said, if anyone is thirsty, the only criteria for coming to Jesus with an authentic need is simply that. You realize and you admit that you're thirsty. I mean, unless you admit you're thirsty, why come to Jesus and drink to begin with? You understand? If you show up at church pretending, going through the motions, acting like you're okay, then you're not going to have your thirst met. But if we will come here to this place and be transparent before God and say, God, I've got these authentic needs. I've got this spiritual thirst in my life. And then we come to Him. That's how the invitation is really open to us. If anyone is thirsty, what I have to do and what you have to do is be willing to admit we've got a felt need. That we are thirsty and then come to Him. I asked you the question earlier, but I really feel like I need to ask it again. Aren't, aren't you happy that Jesus said anyone? Huh? He could have said all the pretty people that would left some of us out. He could have just said all the rich people that would left some of us out. He could have said all the people with plenty of hair that would have left me out. Although I've got more than I look like I do. I've, you know, I just, my mom's been on to me about that every time I go see her. See, mom doesn't like the shaved head concept. And she keeps saying, well, it's getting cold weather. Better grow it back out. <laughs> Sitting there Thanksgiving, and she's telling me that. Finally, my brother was good enough to speak up and say, Mama, we don't tell you how to cut your hair. Quit telling us how to cut ours. But thank you, Tim. <laughs> but I'm glad it says anyone, aren't you? He gives an invitation to anyone and to break that invitation down just a little bit more i want you to i want you to recognize some things that really takes place here when jesus gives this invitation what happens is this the rock stands up because you see jesus is the rock did you realize that when they're having this religious ceremony taking place and Jesus stands up, that's the rock standing up. Literally, the Bible tells us that that is the case. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. Not in the Old Testament now, we're in the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul, who God inspired to write more in the New Testament than anybody else, tells us this. I want you to know, brothers, he's writing to believers. He's telling them, I want you to understand something. That our fathers, talking about the forefathers of the children of Israel that were there wandering in the wilderness, were all under the cloud. The cloud talks about the presence of God and the glory of God that was leading them. And they all passed through the sea. And they're all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they all ate the same spiritual food, the manna and the quail, you know, the things that God provided for them. And they all drank the same spiritual drink. Notice this. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. Now, I told you earlier, I, you know, I'm going to maybe blow your mind a little bit. You might not have ever noticed this or read it before. That rock followed them in the wilderness. I mean, just like their shoes didn't wax old and their clothes, God performed a miracle, I think, to where their shoes grew with them. They didn't stay the same size. Have your kids ever stayed the same size? I wish God would have done that miracle for me. I would owe less to J.C. Penney over the years. Because I wouldn't have had to buy new shoes and new clothes all the time. They, they would just stay fine. Well, the Bible tells us here this rock that Moses struck, which, by the way, is a type and a picture of Jesus Christ, 
going to the cross and being smitten for our sins on the cross. The Bible tells us that that rock followed them along. Wherever they went in the wilderness, providing the water that they needed. By the way, the rock that is Jesus does the same for us. Once we believe in him, he follows us. He's always with us. Amen? And he always provides exactly what we need. Not what you want, maybe, but what you need. So to clarify it, Paul goes on. He says, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was who? Christ. Paul tells us that rock that was struck somehow was Jesus. That rock that followed them along in the wilderness somehow was Jesus. Now we get to the story we're looking at this morning. And what you have happening is that same rock, the rock that Moses hit with his staff, the rock that followed them in the wilderness, the rock that provided water for them. Now that rock in flesh and blood stands up and he screams aloud to the crowd. If anybody is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The rock stands up and he, and he calls out to them. Not only does he just stand up, the rock cries out. Just to help you understand what Jesus did, the word for cried out means to scream, to call aloud, to shriek, to exclaim, to uh, entreat, to cry out. In other words, Jesus didn't kind of stand up a little bit bashful that day while this religious ceremony is taking place and just, you know, Jesus didn't stand up and just kind of say, well, you know, if anybody, anybody wants to come to me, if you're thirsty and want to come to me, then you can come to me and drink. That's not what he did. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. He interrupted their little religious ceremony with a loud voice and he gave them an invitation as he cries out to come to Jesus and drink can I ask you a question this morning have you done that have you admitted your thirst that you've got this thirsty need this spiritual need in your heart in your life have, have you admitted that and have you allowed that thirst in your life in your heart have you allowed it to cause you to come to Jesus and drink because that's what Jesus invites us to do. He invites us to come to him and drink. Anyone includes you. All you have to be is thirsty. Second thing I want you to see this morning is this. Not just in this story that Jesus talks about thirsty individuals, but the second thing we can see in these verses is the satisfying drink that Jesus offers. The Bible said on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. You understand that Jesus is the only drink that satisfies? He is the only real satisfaction that you can ever get in your life. I, I'm not trying to put Matt on the spot, but Matt's been up here and been transparent before you himself and things like that. If some other things that Matt had chased after that he's been transparent with you, satisfied, then, then he would have been a point in his life he would not have had to continue chasing those things, more drugs or whatever the case is. Right, man? And then when you took a drink of Jesus, for real, it satisfies. He's the only drink that satisfies. Our human efforts will not satisfy. Our religious activities and religious actions will not satisfy. We can go to a thousand worship services and work our fingers to the bone and break our backs trying to carry water religiously, trying to you know, do something ourselves that, that, that maybe makes us think we're doing something that's meeting some spiritual need in our life, but it never, ever satisfies. Jesus is the only drink that satisfies we can draw pots of water spiritually speaking so to speak you can work yourself to the bone trying to think you're going to earn your way to heaven and none of that ever satisfies because you'll always lay down at night and you'll ask yourself have i done enough today to get into heaven 
You see, Jesus is the one that satisfies. His name literally means this, Jehovah is salvation. You remember that verse of scripture in Isaiah, they were chanting as the water's being poured out? The verse that said this, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The exact thing they're chanting about stands up in the flesh. Jesus is the salvation that they're chanting about in this religious ceremony that means nothing. Now, the one who is that salvation stands up and he cries out to them that if they're thirsty, they can come and take a drink. Jesus stands up in this empty religious ceremony, and what he does is this. He offers himself because Jesus is all we need. He offers himself to us. You think about a satisfying drink, I want you to notice three things, and then we're going to move on in just a moment. First of all, I want you to notice this, the drink that satisfies anyone. Jesus is the drink that satisfies anyone. And the reason I'm wanting to point that out again and just kind of camp out on the word anyone, there may very well be someone here today that might be thinking to themselves, well, not me, you know. You may be saying that for various reasons. You may say it because you feel like you've sinned too severely. To be part of that anyone. But I want you to understand something. Jesus said anyone. And Jesus knows more about you than you know about yourself. Or you may be thinking, well, you know, I've just got, I, I don't think that'll meet my need. You know, I've got all this other stuff that I think I want to chase after that'll really meet my need. I, I want to tell you up front, because I've chased it myself. It won't satisfy Jesus is the drink that satisfies anyone. Anyone who will come to him and say, I'm thirsty. Second thing I want you to notice in this is the decision to come. The decision to come. See, Jesus stood up and he said, if anybody is thirsty. Gives an invitation to anyone, to anybody. But then he says, if anybody is thirsty, let him come to me. So there's a decision that has to be made. We've got a water cooler at home. And uh, really, we've, we've been doing that kind of for several years because we thought it'd be better than buying the soft drinks and, and, and stuff like that. And every now and then, we'd fall off the wagon and buy the soft drinks anyway or, you know, things like that. But, you know, most of the time, we don't. So we've got, you know, one of these coolers like you see in an office that we just, you know, we rent and, and uh, we get the, you know, the five-gallon container. I get tired of carrying it up from the basement sometimes where they deliver it and setting it there because it's... Heavy as you carried it up, you know, two sets of stairs. We kind of split for your home and, uh, and things like that. But, uh, but it's there. And in order to get cold water, I mean, I don't have to go get ice or anything else. In order to get cold, pure water, all I have to do is walk over to that cooler and stick a cup down and just hit a lever. And, I, and I've got cold, good water there. But you see, the awareness that that cooler is there doesn't do me any, any good if I don't make a decision to walk over to the cooler. I, I can be outside and thirsty, or I've been working outside, or, you know, in, inside and just, you know, decide that I want something to drink, you know, watching television, whatever the case is. But unless I'm willing to make a decision and walk over to where that cooler is, then I don't get any benefit from it. And the reason I want to point that out to you this morning, some of you who might feel like you're not part of the anyone or you think Jesus really won't satisfy you, I'm telling you something, you never know until you try. You need to make the decision to come to Him because He invites you to come to Him. If you're thirsty, Jesus invites you to come to Him, an invitation to come. Then He gives us an instruction to drink, instruction to drink. That same water cooler I'm talking about. Let's say I make a decision to come over to it. And I make a decision to stick a cup underneath it. And I hit the lever on the cold side and just fill it up with really cold water. And then if I take it and just set it down on the table. And never drink it. Do I get any benefit from the cold water? Do, do I get refreshed from that water if I just set it there and I don't drink it? Even though it's there and it's available. Jesus 
in his invitation said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me. But he doesn't stop there. He says, come to me and drink. Jesus wants you to do more than just come and sit in a chair or a pew at church. Jesus wants you to do more than just to say you know Him or you know facts about Him or you have head knowledge of Him. Jesus wants to be more than some exterior person that you're just aware of. Jesus wants you to drink Him in. Now, I'm not talking about the Lord's Supper. That's not how grace is imparted to our lives. That's symbolic of the grace that was extended through Jesus shedding His blood on the cross. But all I'm saying is this. Jesus gives you an invitation. He wants you to make the decision to come to Him. It's an invitation to actually drink. He doesn't say, just come to me. He said, I want you to come to me and drink. I want you to absorb me in. I want you to drink me in. The word means to imbibe, which gives the thought of just you know opening your mouth and just pouring the water as fast as you can and drinking your fill. It is what you get from that word. It means to fully drink Him in. It means to absorb Him. See, a relationship with Jesus is just that. It is more than just knowing about Him. He wants us to have fellowship with Him. He wants us to be drinking Him in to our lives. And He invites us to do that. He wants inside of our lives. He wants us to partake of Him. He, he calls us and He invites us to come and drink. He wants us to experience Him, to drink Jesus into our lives. <clears throat> but then once we do that, he wants us to let him out. And this is where I've been headed all morning. He wants us to let him into our lives, but then he wants us to let him out of our lives. The title of the message today is Overflow. Inside out, what he puts in us overflowing from our lives. The last thing we're going to talk about this morning is this. You and I, need to have an overflowing faith. Not a faith that's hidden. Not a faith that we stuff down. To be honest with you, it's not even the type of faith we have to work up in some way because of what Jesus says here. We need to have overflowing faith. Jesus goes on. He says, Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus wants us to drink him into our lives. He wants us to experience him. He wants us to have this relationship and fellowship with him, to where we're soaking him in all that we can. But he doesn't want us to let him stay there. If that were the case, it defeats the whole purpose of you and I even still being alive in this world. He wants us to let the faith that we have in him out. He wants us to have an overflow in our lives. He does want us to drink him in, but the faith we have in Jesus needs to overflow out of our lives to a thirsty world that's around us. You see, the moment you receive Christ as Savior, He puts His Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit of God comes to indwell your life. And that Spirit of God is there within us so we can live for Jesus and, and let the faith that we have manifest itself out of our lives to a lost, thirsty world because they have the same need that you and I have. And it is a tragedy for the church and for believers to keep it to themselves when it's there to overflow to a thirsty world. See, if you believed in Jesus, that's great. I honest, if you believed in Jesus, if you know Christ is your Savior, thank God for that. I'm so happy for you. I'm glad that you know Christ is your Savior. But that being the case, you need to overflow. 
If you spend time drinking Jesus' hymn, if you spend time reading your Bible and attending church and things like that, and, and you know Jesus is in your heart and you do all you can to, to you know, find out more and more about him, all that's great, I'm glad you do it, but I, but I want to tell you something, you need to overflow. doesn't need just to stay there in your heart, you need to overflow. In fact, if you're authentic, I believe you will overflow. Did you see the way Jesus phrased that? Out of his heart? Maybe? Is that what he said? Out of his heart? If he comes to me and drinks out of his heart, just maybe every now and then, just maybe there's a possibility that out of his heart is going to flow this river of faith. Jesus said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If we're drinking him in like we ought to be drinking him in, I think a result of that is going to be this. You can't keep him in. Because it's going to pop out. It's going to be like this river that just all of a sudden flows and floods out of your heart. So let me give you three things and then, and then we'll close. <laughs> no excuses. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said. Whoever believes. Whoever includes you, if you've believed in Jesus. Whoever has faith in or upon or respect to a person or a thing. That's what the word believes me. Whoever gives credence to. In other words, you give credence that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. And you believe that he did exactly what he said he did. He died on the cross. He shed his blood for your sins. So you're entrusting yourself to him. The word is especially used in the Bible for one who has trusted in Christ as Savior. One's being related to Christ because you've trusted in Him. So once again, there's no excuses then because Jesus says, whoever believes. So kind of the question this morning right now is this. Have you believed in Jesus? And if you have authentically believed in Jesus, guess what? He says, whoever believes in me, out of his heart will, will, not maybe, will, will, will flow. Rivers of living water? That that he's put in you is going to pop out. It's going to overflow. Second thing I want you to get is this. No holding it back. No holding it back. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I alluded to it earlier right in the beginning of the message, but you've seen... Water's at flood stage, haven't you? On the Weather Channel or the News Channel or whatever. And those waters come in and they just take away houses or anything in, in the way. Anybody going to see any of the tsunami footage online last year in Japan? I mean, that water came in and man, it just it moved anything in its path. Huge buildings were floating down the street. And the reason I point that out is, is simply this. The faith that we have in Jesus ought to be like that. It ought to be like a river that's overflowing from our lives to a lost world. A river that impacts and influences the things that it hits. The faith that you and I have in Jesus doesn't need to stay stuffed down in our life. No holding it back needs to be like these rivers that Jesus talks about. It's, it's a current. It's a river. It's running water. By the way, the word specifically means that it's drinkable. In most of the floodwaters you see, I don't think I'd wanted to have taken a big cup full of some of that tsunami water with you, all the trash and the junk in it. See, the kind of water that Jesus wants to produce out of our lives, and the problem is the church sometimes, we put out a lot of polluted water and people can't really drink it. What we need to do from our lives as believers and as the church, instead of putting out polluted water, he wants to put out drinkable water, water that can benefit other people. 
If we're thirsty, we can come to him and drink, and out of our heart will flow, will flow, will flow, will flow. Rivers of living water, water that's alive. Water that a thirsty world needs. The word is even used to talk about waters as if from rain. It kind of, kind of gives me this image. You and I ought to rain on this lost world in the right way. <laughs> Sometimes we rain on people the wrong way, don't we? We ought to rain on a lost world because there are people thirsty all across this world. You work around thirsty people. You go to the marketplace and bump into thirsty people. There are thirsty people, spiritually thirsty people, everywhere we go. And we are called by Jesus Christ as authentic believers to let it out. Not to hold it in, not to keep it in, but we're to let it out. I can already hear the excuses. Well, I've never been to seminary, never been to Bible college, just don't know how to do that. Well, you see, it's not based on your ability to start with. Because it says, now this, he, talking about Jesus, now this he said about the Spirit. I don't have anything in me worth the world drinking. That's mine. You understand that? If it were to be up to Lynn Parsons to get up here every week, Lynn Parsons would just as soon stay at home and not do it. And if you only drink something because it comes from Lynn Parsons, I'm going to tell you something. You just drunk something that's polluted. The only ability I have or you have to impact a lost and dying world around us is not our own ability, it's His ability. When we trust Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in our lives. He's the one that empowers us. We don't have any excuses not to let it out. We don't need to hold it back. He says it will overflow. But He said this, now this He said about the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God, if you're a real believer, the Holy Spirit of God, whether you're fully aware of Him being there or not, is in your life. Our goal is to allow the Holy Spirit to manipulate our lives, to control our lives, to override our choices for His choices, for God's choices, to do what He calls us to do instead of what we just want to do. And if we will do that, then it will overflow from our lives, rivers of living water to a thirsty world. And it's not based upon your ability, it's His ability. So quit making excuses. Quit trying to say, I don't know how to witness. I don't know how to serve. I don't know how to do this. If you know Christ is your Savior, God's Spirit lives in you. And we don't have any excuses. All we have to do is let His life be lived in our life, and that meets the need of a thirsty world. It's not our ability. John chapter 7 and verse 43, 46. When they heard these words, some of the people said, this is really the prophet. I mean, after Jesus stood up. Because, you know, do you ever wonder if, if you say something for God, if you serve God, how will people respond? They'll probably respond like they did to Jesus. Jesus stood up and he screamed out, if anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his heart, some translations say out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. When they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, which that's where he was born, and the village where David was. So there was a division among the people over him, and some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. And the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees, who said to them, 
Why did you not bring him? In other words, they had been sent to arrest him, but after they heard Jesus speak, they couldn't do it. And here's why. They said, no one ever yet spoke like this man. Now, the reason I read this, because that's the very next verse, is it's in context of what Jesus just shouted out, is this. All too often, we worry, and we use it as an excuse. What will people think? What will people say? How will people respond if I just overflow? They'll probably respond like they did when Jesus stood up and overflowed. Some will believe, some won't believe, some will make excuses, some will get mad. But you see, that doesn't matter. Your job and my job is just to overflow. I don't need to have an excuse saying, how will they respond? I'm just to overflow. You're just to overflow. We're to drink Jesus in and overflow. Quit worrying about how people respond. All I can do is overflow what God's put in my life. All you can do is overflow what God's put in your life. And then you leave the results to Him. That's all you can do. So don't use it as an excuse. What you and I need to do is just overflow. Jesus is the rock. It's what we've talked about this morning, the Old Testament context to that. I've already mentioned this once, but since we're coming to the end of the message and a time we call a decision time and invitation time, I want to revisit that because when, when Moses went and he struck the rock and the water came out, that was symbolic of Jesus being nailed to the cross. That was only happened one time. You know why Moses didn't go, go into the promised land with the rest of the children of Israel? Moses, in his anger at the people complaining again about thirst, just went up without God telling him to and he just hit the rock. And he was never told to hit the rock because that rock was Jesus. And that rock was a type or a picture of Jesus going to the cross for our sins. Jesus will only be smitten once on the cross. If you're someone that would say, well, I would believe in Jesus. If I could just see him and take his life back up, I'm sorry. You'll never get to see that. It'll never happen again. When he comes back, he's coming to rule and reign forever and ever. That cost Moses getting to go into the promise the second time because it gave an erroneous picture of what would happen to Jesus so what I'm telling you before we get into this time of decision is this Jesus the rock was smitten for you and when he was smitten it wasn't just water that came out because when they pierced his heart there was blood and water but when Jesus was smitten out of his body flowed a river of blood that paid for my sin and for your sin. So if you don't know Christ as your Savior this morning, my invitation to you, His invitation to you is this. You need to trust in Jesus. If you've been trying to meet the need in your life by trying everything else under the sun, because you've got this thirst, this hole in your heart, and you've tried everything else to fill it, and it just isn't working out, can I tell you why it's not working out? Jesus is the only drink that satisfies So the band's going to play in just a moment. As they do, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I invite you to make the decision I've talked about. He's there. He's available. Just like that water cooler I talked about at home, you've got to make the decision to come to Him. And then you've got to make the decision to drink. Until I fill the cup up at that water cooler and I take a drink of it, I don't have any idea for sure if that water tastes good. But as soon as I turn it up and drink it, I know it was good. And I'm telling you up front, if you're someone that's never trusted Christ as your Savior, I promise you up front, from my experience and other people here who know Christ as their Savior would stand up and say from their experience, I promise you if you'll taste Jesus, you'll find out it's good. And that He meets your need. That He satisfies the need in you. You already done that? You already trusted in Him? You've already drunk Him in? good but are you overflowing like you need to overflow
Jesus said this to the woman at the well. She was concerned about some physical water too. But Jesus said, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. I, I like the way the English Standard Version puts that. I mean, some say we'll never thirst again. Jesus satisfies. And if you will drink Jesus and what he's done for you on the cross, if you'll have faith in Jesus, you'll never be thirsty forever. <laughs> the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water well enough to eternal life. That's what Jesus said. But now he tells us in John chapter 7 that spring needs to become a river. We need to let the faith that we have in him when we trust in him. And he put this spring well enough into eternal life. Now it needs to overflow and be a river for a lost world around us. Inside out. We need to overflow. Let's pray. Father, Lord, first of all, I, I come to you today and I pray for anyone here that may have been going through the motions, that may have been just trying to attend a religious ceremony that was meaningless and that doesn't meet their thirst. Father, I pray that person right now that may be dependent upon religion, a religious ceremony, I pray that they'll let Jesus interrupt their religion and let Jesus stand up and shout in their heart, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Father, someone here that needs to do that today, help them to say yes to Jesus. Help them to admit their thirst and come to you. Then, Father, I pray for those of us that know you as Savior. You're there. You're in our life. You've put that spring that springs up to eternal life in us by faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. But Father, I pray, God, that you'd work in our lives in such a way that we would overflow that we would drink you in and then overflow to a thirsty world around us. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. As the band plays, I'll be here at the front. If someone has questions about what it means to trust in Jesus, if someone here today is thirsty and you realize that Jesus is what you've been needing and you've been ignoring that, you need to walk over to the fountain. And please listen to him and do that this morning. And we'll have somebody to spend time with you here at the end of this service and be sure you understand what it means to trust in Christ as Savior. For those of us that already know him, maybe you need to come and kneel and say, I've not overflowed like I need to overflow. Maybe you need to make a fresh commitment today to say, Jesus, I want you to overflow from my life to a lost world. I'm going to quit worrying about my excuses. I'm going to quit worrying about my abilities because it's all by your spirit to begin with. Would you do that as a believer today? Pray and say, God, help me to overflow to a thirsty world. Please stand, God speaks to your heart. We invite you to come. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Basin Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.